0: Well, good morning, everybody. I want to welcome you to Kids Sunday. My name is John Hendrickson. I'm one of the pastors on staff here at Daybreak. And uh, what I love about this video is, is it paints a picture of what it, what it can look like when kids get inspired, right? Like when kids get inspired, incredible things can happen. And, and they can be things that are huge and, and monumental, like this this uh, video we just saw, but they can also be smaller things, things that happen day in and day out, things that happen at a, at a smaller scale that bring a smile to God's face uh, nonetheless. I mean, chances are good that as much as we inspire our kids, not every one of them is going to have Oprah partnering with them to accomplish something around the world, right? But that's okay, right? There are other ways, there are other things that they, they will accomplish and, and they will be. Um, I've seen and heard numbers of examples of these types of things in our, in our daybreak family with, with, uh, with our kids uh, that, that bring a smile to God's face. Things like organizing clothing for people that have a a clothing need, or uh, for their birthday parties, asking people, instead of bringing presents for them, that they would bring a gift of some kind that's going to be donated to somebody in need, either uh, directly or uh, to some sort of an organization or something like that. Or saving change that they have, an allowance that they have to support Daybreak and some of the international workers that we have that that are doing things uh, all around the world. Or, once they're old enough, donating their hair uh, for people in need. And no, that's not what happened in my case. Um, when kids get inspired, incredible things can happen. Now, when I use the word inspired, what I like to do is I, I have a lot of pictures and, and things that run through my mind, and we'll talk about some of those, but I wanted to find out from you guys, uh, both kids and adults in the room, uh, when you think of inspired, what, how would you define it, or what types of pictures come to mind when you think of inspired? is a little participation. here. Anybody? Not inspiring you enough to... To share, yeah. The Bible, okay. Perfect church answer. Nice work. Okay, Bible, Jesus, God. Okay, all right, what else? What else when you think of inspire? Okay, all right, wow, okay. Husband, bonus points. Okay, what else? What does it mean to inspire somebody? Okay, all right, help them find purpose. Okay, encouraging them to do better. Anything else? Lead by example, all right. Anybody else? Okay, spending time to teach God's Word to them. All, all great things, things that I thought of, things along the lines of encouraging, supporting, challenging, showing them and, and, and so that they can follow, giving somebody a vision of what can be, um, instilling hope, or even affirming somebody One of the phrases that I've learned in the last few years is there's a four letter phrase called, I see in you. I see in you. And that's a huge way to inspire somebody is to affirm what you see in them. Say, I see these things in you to encourage them and to challenge them. I looked it up uh, in the dictionary, uh, and what it said there was that to inspire means to stimulate somebody to do something, to encourage somebody to greater effort, enthusiasm, or creativity. And I love that last phrase inspire them to to greater effort and enthusiasm and creativity. And there are a number of people that have inspired me in my life. One of them when I was really young as an elementary school uh, uh, student was my baseball coach. I had this baseball coach that was just inspired me. And he wasn't just like, he didn't just love baseball, which he did, right? Like that's important a lot of times, but there are some coaches that, you know, it's maybe a little over the top, but he loved baseball. That was definitely true. Um, he didn't just want to win, although he definitely wanted to win. Um, he, showed us, he showed us things like where we needed to stand in the field to, to be in the right position on defense. He taught us how to get the most out of our swing. And while he was showing us, he would give us a chance to do it and, and, and kind of walk us through what that would look like. He'd show me what I was doing wrong with my swing and kind of help me adjust it or change it or fix it so that, it was, that I was headed the right way. He would encourage me about what, is, what I was doing right and then he would say something that all of us need to hear, you can do it. You can do it. He was an inspirer of me. And as adults, what we're challenged to do, what we're going to talk about today, is we're challenged to be inspirers of kids. We need to be people who encourage kids to greater effort, enthusiasm, and creativity. And I love the word creativity because the Bible says that God created us in his own image. And as the And since he's the ultimate creator, and since you and I bear his image, there's so much creativity that's just simply a part of the very way that we've been designed by him. And so at Daybreak, we want to inspire our kids to dream big dreams. And not just any big dreams, but big dreams that reflect God's heart. We want to inspire them to pursue Jesus. We want to encourage them in their creativity to be who God created them to be. And when we do that, when you and I inspire them to be who God created them to be, we're actually being who God created us to be as well. And so this morning what we're going to do is we're going to talk just for a few minutes, talk a little bit about some of the ways that we can intentionally inspire our kids to follow Jesus. We can't force them to do it, right? We can't force them to follow Jesus, but we can do our best as parents and grandparents and coaches and teachers and mentors to encourage them and inspire them. I love our children's ministry's vision statement because it says that their, their vision is to partner with parents to inspire kids to discover a life-changing journey with Jesus. And so I want to encourage you, uh, if you're here today and you're not a parent, maybe you're, you either you were at some point in your life, you're not one yet, maybe you're single, you might be an empty nester, you might be a grandparent, or you may or, maybe you're, you may, or may not be parents one day, Quite a bit of what what we're talking about this morning best relates to parents, but I want to encourage you not to give permission to yourself to just tune out today. Every follower of Jesus, whether you're a parent or not, is invited to be an inspirer of kids. I've been a parent for eight months now, for, for about eight months, and I can be honest with you that my chances, my opportunities to choose whether or not to inspire kids have extended far beyond those eight months. Right? We don't, it doesn't just happen when we're parents. We all have, a, uh, everyone in this room has the chance to inspire kids in one way or another. So if that's what we want to do, if we want to inspire kids to be followers of Jesus, what are some practical ways, right? What are some, it's a nice idea, but what are some practical ways that we can do that? So we're going to take a, a look at Scripture and see how, what are some of the things Scripture tells us to help us with that. So let's talk about that. If you haven't grabbed your outline yet, go ahead and do that. It will help you follow along. You can flip it over onto the inside. Uh, The first point there in your outline is this, that we inspire kids when, number one, we teach them through stories. When we teach them through stories. This week I was asking a few of our staff members uh, at Day what are some of the stories or some of the, the childhood songs that we learn growing up, that kind of help us, uh, that, that teach us certain things. And, and so we came up with things like the boy who cried wolf, right? Like that teaches you about uh, being honest, the important, the, the important, importance of honesty. Uh, and then I had a, uh, I got to Pastor Sean's office, and he uh, started talking about how you have to be careful about some of the songs that you sing, about where, what message they're giving or what uh, where they've come from. And he pointed out to me the truth or the sort of the origin of the song Ring Around the Rosie. Is anybody familiar with this story? Okay. You're gonna, I, I, didn't, I didn't know this story. I didn't believe him when, when he told me. Not that he's not trustworthy, right? But uh, I thought he was making it up. But I looked it up on, online, and sure enough, this is what it says. It says, the words to the Ring Around the Rosie children's song have their origin in English history. The historical period dates back to the bubonic plague in London of 1665. The symptoms of the plague included a rosy red rash in the shape of a ring on the skin, ring around the rosy. Pockets and pouches were filled with sweet-smelling herbs, or posies, which were carried due to the belief that the disease was transmitted by bad smells. The term ashes-ashes refers to the cremation of the dead bodies. The death rate was over 60%, and the plague was only halted by the Great Fire of London in 1666, which killed the rats which carried the disease and was transmitting via the water sources. So, the next time you sing Ring Around the Rosie with somebody else, I hope that the bubonic plague comes to your mind. So, so when, we're talk- but when we're talking about telling stories to our kids, when we're talking about telling them stories, we're not just talking about any stories, right? When we talk about teaching kids through stories, we talk- we're talking about taking the time to tell and retell stories of who God is and what God has done both in the Bible, as we see in Scripture, as well as in our own lives. And it's something that Scripture itself invites us to do. So we're going to look at Psalm 78 today. Uh, In your outline, it's written by a guy named Asaph, who was uh, King David's main scribe, and he was credited with writing a number of psalms. The previous psalm, number 77, is a lot of um, lamenting. He's feeling very uh, much in despair. He's struggling. Uh, he's, He's losing hope. He's crying out to God. And then in Psalm 78... He remembers, he starts to remember some of the stories of of who God is and what God has done. And so he writes Psalm 78 while he's remembering these things as like a challenge uh, to uh, his people. This is in your outline. We're we're not going to read the whole psalm. We're just going to read part of it and uh, we'll start with verses 1 to 4. It says this, it says, Oh, my people, listen to my instructions. Open your ears to what I am saying, for I will speak to you in a parable. I will teach you hidden lessons from our past. Stories we have heard and known, stories our ancestors handed down to us. We will not hide these truths from our, gener- uh, from our children. We will tell the next generation about the glorious deeds of the Lord, about His power and His mighty wonders. So Asaph in this in this psalm is expressing his his heart to the people and challenging them and inviting them to inspire. He invites them to listen, right? He invites them to listen, and then he says, "I'm going to teach you some hidden lessons." Or another way to think about it is I'm going to teach you some things that are kind of like buried treasure, like buried treasure that's been hidden that you can discover. Stories that we've heard and we've known which have been passed down to us. We won't hide these truths from our children. We'll tell the next generation about the glorious deeds, the power, the mighty wonders of God. And then for the rest of the psalm, which it's a huge psalm, it's a whole bunch of verses, he goes on to start to recount some of those things. Tell some of these stories to remind people and to fill them in on some of the ways that, that, that some of the things that God has done in their history. So, Asaph's overall goal, what he's longing for here, is he's longing for his people to return to God, to once again be who it is that he created them to be. And so, with that goal in mind, he says essentially that it starts by telling and understanding the stories of who God is and what God has done. If we want to be, if you and I want to be people who inspire kids to be followers of Jesus, we also need to listen to the cry of this psalmist and and tell stories of what God has done, both both Bible stories as well as the things that He's done in our own lives. Uh, Recently, I I, um, uh, went out of town and saw some extended family. Uh, One of our my extended family members had passed away, and so there was a, a large gathering of people that had come together who, who hadn't seen each other in a while. Uh, uh, we, we were all kind of thrust uh, unexpectedly into, into this, this circumstance. And so we went to this, uh, this funeral, and, and um, it was a little bit kind of awkward. Like if you've ever gone through it, like people that you haven't seen in a while, you, you know them, but it's been a while. And so kind of after some initial hellos and how's it going and what are you doing and those types of things, there's kind of this silence. Like, you kind of like, okay, now what do we talk about, right? Like, we're all sitting here, that kind of thing. And so we're all sitting there, and there's sort of this, this silence that happens. But you know what broke the silence? It was, it was starting to tell stories that we remembered from our past. So we started telling stories about this, this family member Who had passed away. And we started to to remember and recount some of the things, some of the stories I had heard before, some of them I hadn't, some I was able to join in, some I wasn't. But we started sharing these stories with one another, and then we started to laugh a little bit about some of these memories. And then we started to cry a little bit at some of these memories. And then it opened up conversations that went a little bit deeper. Than what had already been there, and we started to share some of the some of the, the deeper feelings that we have about things the, the, the bigger things that are going on in our lives. And I realized while that while that was happening, I realized like stories have a very unique way of building a relational bridge with people. They just there's a there's something about stories that allow a relational wall to get broken, get broken down, and I saw that in that moment with my extended family. That with, with my family in that time of difficulty when we were all struggling a little bit about what to say to one another, how to encourage each other, how to inspire one another, that it was remembering those stories that not only uh, strengthened the relationship that we had with, with one another, but it also encouraged us in our relationship with God as well. One of the things that we see in the Bible over and over again is that God encourages people to remember. It's a phrase that happens so many times. He says things like remember or in case that doesn't work, he says things like, do not forget, okay? He uses these phrases, they show up over and over again in Scripture because there are many times in our lives where we need to be reminded of who God is and what he's done in order to have the faith necessary to walk in the present. And so that's actually part of what we do at church every week, right? Like we join together every week to remember some things, right? We, we read the Bible together. Every week we read, we read some Scripture in order to remember God's Word, and some of the stories from Scripture. We sing and we worship together so that we remember together God's grace. We pray together, remembering His presence, that He says, I will be with you always. Every few weeks, we take communion together to remember His sacrifice, the fact that He laid down His life so that we could be reconciled to Him. And then we instill hope in one another as we follow Him because we we remember the, the hope of the future that he has promised. And that's what the psalmist here was telling people. He was saying, I want you to remember these things together. You've been forgetting these things, and it causes, it causes despair. I want you to remember these things. Tell and retell these stories to one another, to your children, to the next generation. Because he knew that, the, that it's those stories a lot of times that build the relational bridge that's necessary to, to talk with one another and to inspire each other to follow God. When I was growing up, one of my favorite stories, uh, as a as a young boy, one of my favorite stories from the Bible was the story of when Jesus fed the five thousand. How many of you have some level of familiarity with this story? Okay, there's there's quite a few of you that do. It's in in John chapter six. We find this large crowd of people who had been following Jesus, and they were getting to the point where they were just hungry. Right? They were they had been a a long time since they'd eaten. They were getting hungry, and and the disciples were like, "Look, Jesus, we got to send these guys away. Like, we just can't. We can't. We don't have." The food necessary to feed them. They're starting to get a little cranky. Like, we just got to get, we got to send these people away. And, the, and it says that there was a little boy there who had what? Can anybody tell me what the boy had? Uh, several of you. <laughs> five loaves and two fish, right? Yep, he had five loaves of bread and two small fish. And it says that Jesus said thanks and he blessed and then he asked the disciples to pass out the food. And as they did, everybody who was there had food, and they actually had leftovers. They had baskets and baskets of food left over. And that was one of my favorite stories growing up because it it taught me that even little boys get to participate in God's miracles. Like growing up, that was one of those stories. I loved when it was told. I loved to tell it to other people. I loved to hear it retold because it was something where I, I heard even little boys get to participate and to see God do some amazing things to be to get to join in on what God is doing, and it's a story I still love today, even though as I've grown and as I've changed, there are different things that I learn from the, the same retelling of that story. There's new things that God teaches me and ways that I that I learn from that, but it's still today one of my very favorite stories. The invitation to tell and to retell these stories is something that God gives to each one of us, He knows that doing so will build a relational bridge and be an inspi- it will inspire our faith. If you're, if you're here today and you're not a parent, if you're not a parent, then why don't, I want to encourage you, ask God to show you opportunities to share with other people. Kids are kind of what our focus is today, but not just kids, other people. Take opportunities to share stories of what God has done. Yes, Bible stories are one thing you could do, but even in your own life, things that you notice. When's the last time that you shared with somebody else something that God was doing in your life. If you are a parent, I want to challenge you to not let the stories about God and about what he's done be reserved only for when your kids are in church. Like, don't let that be the only time they hear those stories. Uh, one of the things uh, that is a temptation, just because of the way our culture works, is it's tempting to sort of look at church as like the spiritual instruction dispenser, right? Like, you have the, the math and English and history and science stuff, you go to school for that, and if you want to learn about uh, baseball, you go, you, get, you go to your coach and you play on a team and you, get, you go to learn baseball. And if you want to learn an instrument, you go and uh, you, you practice that. with. And there's a special instructor that helps you with that. If you want to learn about the bubonic plague and the songs that resulted from it, you talk to Pastor Sean. You know, like there's all these things where there's these experts all over the place. And so then you, the idea is, okay, well, if I want them to, I want them to learn about God, so I'll, I'll send them to church and then they can, we can hear about God and learn about God there. But when we look at Scripture, it's... It's clear God says, look, that's not, that's not what I have in mind. That's not, what I, that, that's not what I want. He wants us as parents to be the primary spiritual influence on our kids. And that's what we talked about with the, the child dedication today, right? Like that we're all joining together, we're all partnering, but as the parents, he wants to be this primary spiritual influence on our kids. When it comes to following Jesus, don't outsource all your kids' understanding to somebody else right? That's kind of what the challenge is. Don't just outsource your kid's understanding to somebody else. And I want to encourage you because that's, that can be a daunting task. That can be a, a big challenge, especially if maybe you feel like, I just, I don't know the Bible very well. Like It's just not something I'm very familiar with. Or I haven't been following, maybe you haven't been following Jesus for very long. Like, it, that's a, it's a whole new thing to you. And so the idea of, of being an influence there, that, that kind of makes you feel uncomfortable. Or maybe when you were growing up, it was just never really something that you were taught or was a part of your life. And so you can feel really insecure about that. And I just want to encourage you that that's okay. It's okay to feel that level of insecurity, to feel, to feel a sense of I'm not sure if I, if I w- would even know how to do that. We're all at different places in our journey with Jesus. We're all at different spots where he's walking with us. He's showing us new things. The challenge is don't just because you're not an expert at it or something. Don't allow that to give, your, give yourself permission to, to have somebody else do that. Invite Jesus to, to come alongside you to show you, what, you wanna, what to teach your kids. One of the things I mentioned before was that partnering with parents is, like, is what our church family wants to do. That's what our children's ministry vision statement is all about. They, our, staff, our children's ministry staff and volunteers want to assist parents and grandparents and whoever, however they can, so that we can succeed in our role as the primary spiritual influence in the lives of our kids. And one of the ways that they're going to do that this summer is something really, really practical. It's something called the, that we're calling the Family Challenge, and it's a, a free guide that helps you lead your family through some weekly spiritual exercises, involves some scriptures, some telling of stories, some activities, that kind of thing that you can do. And summer can be a great time to do that because Things, uh, at daybreak, things pull back programmatically. But then also, a lot of times, kids are home for the summer. And so, you, you know, you have a lot, of, a lot more opportunity. Maybe this summer, is it, this could be a way, uh, this family challenge could be a way for you to be involved. We just have a little video clip. I want to uh, tell you a little bit about that.
1: What about the decisions you make when spiritually nurturing your children? Think about how far into the future that decision will have an impact. First, it affects your kids. But then it's going to affect their kids, and then their kids, and pass on to their kids, and their kids, and their kids, and then, well, it just keeps going and going. On top of that, the impact doesn't just affect future generations, but has an eternal impact as well. So there you go. That's it. All you really have to worry about is spiritually nurturing your kids. Except there's this little thing called life. In case you forgot... Life is full of decisions, and each decision requires a different level of commitment. Now, when raising your kids, you've made plenty of decisions that should probably have you committed. No, not that kind of committed. More like committed to taking them to soccer practice, committed to being at the dance recital, committed to feed them, committed to keep feeding them, committed to their education, their health, their hopes and dreams, their, well, everything. And maybe that's the beauty of a verse, like Deuteronomy 6, 6-7. These commandments that I give you today are to be on your hearts. Impress them on your children. Talk about them when you sit at home, and when you walk along the road, when you lie down, and when you get up. You always want to do more for your kids. But did you notice this verse isn't asking you to do more? Every day at some point you sit, you walk along the road, you lie down, and you get up. Maybe that's why the spiritual nurturing scene in Deuteronomy 6 isn't about committing to do more, but committing to do differently, and we hope we can just be a part of that differently. Because we're committed to be with you and your family as you sit at home, as you travel the road, when you lie down, and when you rise up. We're committed to the eternal impact of your decision to spiritually nurture your children. We're committed to be there. We're committed to the journey.
0: So if that's something, this family challenge idea is something you'd like to to try out, what you can do is on the back of your response card, there's some blank lines. You can write family challenge on there. Make sure your email address is on there somewhere. And what's going to happen is our children's ministry staff will email you every week. Uh, It's like a couple pages of of here's some ideas, here's some ways that you could practically lead uh, your kids uh, this summer. So if you want to do that, again, just write family challenge on your response card today. So... Uh, One of the things we can do in order to inspire kids to follow Jesus, one is to tell them stories, right? To tell them uh, Bible stories as well as stories of what God's done in our life. A second thing is number two, we inspire kids when we teach them through our lives. When we teach them through our lives. We know that being a Christian is is about more than just telling stories, right? It's about... Really, it's, it's really about our whole lives. Last week, Pastor Sean was talking about this, if you were here. We talked about the fact that God invites us to go all in as we follow him. That's one of the reasons why instead of uh, using the word Christian, a lot of times at daybreak we'll use the word follower of Jesus because it makes it a little more clear that it's not just a religion or a philosophy that we sort of agree with. It's a journey or a way of life that we're on, a life-changing journey with Jesus, when it comes to inspiring our kids to becoming to become followers of Jesus, we have to remember that stories only go so far, right? Like our, our lives speak louder than our stories. We are always teaching something through our lives. We're always teaching something through our lives. And it's a hum- isn't that that's like to me at least, that's such a humbling truth. It's such a humbling truth. And it's where the biggest challenge comes in. Because we're invited not only to tell stories of who God is and what God has done, we're challenged to live lives that reflect his image, that, that, that love God and love others. Uh, Asaph continued this, the psalm there uh, in the next couple of verses, 5 and 6, and he said this. He said, for he, God, issued his laws to Jacob. He gave his instructions to Israel. He commanded our ancestors to teach them to our children. To, uh, so the next generation might know them, even the children not yet born, and they in turn will teach their own children. So in these verses we see words like laws, we see the word uh, instructions, we see the word command in there. And here Asaph is talking to his listeners about how they do life. Stories are important, remembering is important, but that's because they point the way to, that God is calling us to live right now. I once heard a speaker say, and this has always stuck with me as a challenge, he said, you teach what you know, but you reproduce who you are. You teach what you know, but you reproduce who you are. Now, in Deuteronomy chapter 6, uh, which they just they read some of this in, the, in that video there, it says this, it says, And you must commit yourselves wholeheartedly to these commands that I'm giving you today. Repeat them again and again to your children. Talk about them when you're at home and when you're on the road, when you're going to bed and when you are getting up. Tie them to your hands and wear them on your forehead as reminders. Write them on the doorposts of your house and on your gates. As adults who inspire the next generation, as parents and teachers and grandparents and coaches, um, we're invited into a way of life of following Jesus. But here's here's the problem. (laughs) Here's... Here's the issue with that. When we read these verses, when we hear this challenge, uh, when, when, we, when we hear these things, we can find ourselves uneasy because we all know the painful truth that we fall short. Right? We, we fail. We come up short. We make mistakes. We're not perfect role models. We're not perfect mentors. We're not perfect parents, perfect spouses, or perfect friends. And this is why This is why it's important that we remember the story of Jesus. This is why it's important to embrace the fact that he already paid the price for all of our failures on the cross, that he has forgiven us, and because we have been forgiven, we are free to teach our kids that following Jesus involves honoring him both uh, when we succeed as well as when we make mistakes. So in the midst of our brokenness, we we can teach our kids what it looks like to say, I'm sorry, (laughs) I failed in that. Or we can teach our kids how to say, would you forgive me? (laughs) Or we can teach our kids how to extend forgiveness when somebody hurts us. We can teach them how to love God and love others as people who are imperfectly trying to follow a perfect God. It's a humbling challenge when we realize that our lives are always teaching something. And it ties in uh, well with our last point there, point three in your outline this morning, is that we inspire kids when we, number three, teach them to respond with obedience. Teach them to respond with obedience. Asaph wraps up the psalm this way, verses seven and eight. He says, So each generation should set its hope anew on God. Would you underline that phrase, set its hope anew on God? Not forgetting his glorious miracles and obeying his commands. Then they will not be like their ancestors, stubborn, rebellious, and unfaithful, refusing to give their hearts to God. And then he goes on again, as I said before, he goes on and and, and tells a whole bunch of stories about things that have happened in the past. So he's kind of launching that challenge here. But I love these last couple of verses here because basically Asaph is saying something that every single person desires of their kids. Every single person desires this of, their, of their kids. He's saying this. He's saying, I want better for you. That's what he's saying here. He's saying, I want better for you. When it comes to following God, I want you to learn from some of the mistakes that I've made so you won't make the same ones. I want better for you. I want you to follow God more closely than I ever did. I want, I want better for you when it comes to following Him. When it comes to following God, I don't want you to uh, rebel and to be stubborn in your relationship with God like I have been. I want better for you. He says, I want you to set your hope anew on God. I want you to remember what He's done for you. I want you to respond with obedience, because when you respond with obedience, you're basically saying, God, I trust you, that you understand the bigger picture. I trust that you have my very best in mind. I trust that you are God and that I am not. And I trust that you love me so much. My son, uh, Jacoby, uh, is eight months old. Just uh, recently turned eight months old. I've got to be honest with you. Uh, already for me. <laughs> When it comes to his relationship with God, when I think about inspiring him to to follow Jesus, I'm already at the point where I feel like, ah, I want better for you. (laughs) I want better for you, Jacoby. At the core of my being, I I hope and pray that as this psalm Psalm said there, I hope and pray that someday he sets uh, his hope anew (laughs) on God. That he sets his hope anew on God. There may not be a better phrase to talk about inspiring kids to follow Jesus than that, that we would pray that, that, that they would set their hopes anew on God. Asaph was praying, essentially he was saying, Father God, may my son, may all of our sons and daughters, may all of our children become men and women who do just that, who set their hope anew on you. And my prayer for us, and my hope is this, this is your prayer too, is that, we as parents and grandparents and mentors and coaches would do our very best to inspire our kids to follow Jesus. That we would teach them with the stories of who God is and what God has done. That we would teach them through our imperfect and yet surrendered lives. Uh, And that we would encourage them to respond obediently to the God in, in, in whom they can place their trust because he is worthy of their trust. Amen? Our kids' uh, drama team has a treat for you this morning. Uh, they, they took the time to think about what it would look like if they were inspired to follow Jesus. What, what is one thing what, that, 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 that they could be, or what, what could that, how could that play out? So I want to invite you to take a look at the screen for the next few minutes. Uh, some good stuff. The skit that you are about to see is a work of fiction. Any resemblance of characters, businesses or events to actual persons alive or not so much, or actual businesses active or not so much is purely coincidental. The Daybreak All Stars Kids and Ministry Group holds exclusive rights to this work. Duplication of this skit is encouraged. Just ask.
1: Welcome to Money Talk with your hosts, Ann and Michael.
2: I like your time, and you look sharp. Well, I have to be on my game to match that crazy good Anchorman smile you have. Well, I have to have my crazy good Anchorman smile to match your golden Anchorman voice. But I need my gold and Anchorman at least to match your other worldly cue card readings. Well, I need...
1: Guys, hello. You know we're on the air.
2: Welcome to Money Talk. Today we have a very inspiring young source. Please meet Mackenzie, founder and CEO of People First Bank. Thanks for having me. Mackenzie, please tell our viewers what makes your bank so unique. We we, We are a regular bank with great service, just like most. The difference is that for every $1 we make in profit, we donate $1 to help people in some of the poorest areas of the world. Help people out. We help them get access to fresh water, medicine, farming supplies, education, stuff like that. That's impressive, especially for someone so young. How did you get the idea? It all started on a missions trip. Come on down, guys.
3: As your missions trip leader, I could not be more proud of you we have had quite a week. You've come together as a team, experienced a new culture, and showed God's love in a practical way. We also learned some things that we probably can't forget, even if we wanted to. Nathan's snoring. Nicolette's fear of spiders. Matthias is willing to try any kind of new food. And of course, the one-of-a-kind singing voice of Carson. On a more serious note, I want you to spend some time thinking about a verse found in Ephesians 2.10. It states, For we are God's handiwork created in Christ Jesus to do good works, for which he has prepared in advance for us to do. I want you to think about how that verse applies to your life, then meet up with your group leader and say, Fifteen minutes.
1: Fifteen minutes later.
2: Do you want to share your thoughts on how God has shared good works for you to do? I'm not sure. Is that a promise, like, for everybody? Well, good question. Since God didn't say, he only said good works for adult Christians to do, I say, it's a problem. I say it's a promise for everyone. How do I file these good works? I mean, just walking along and pow, I run into one? I suppose that could happen, but it sounds like it might hurt. I was thinking more along the lines of, since God is the one who planned these special works for you to do, then you probably should ask him to show it to you. So I just pray and ask him? Cool, I can do that. Hey, Mackenzie, do you want to see your anchorman biceps? Oh my. No, no. Thanks.
1: Guys, hello. You know we're back on the air.
2: So, 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 those are my first steps knowing that God had something for me and asking Him to show me what it was. I still needed some encouragement to get started. I have been praying and listening to what God wants me to do with the experience I had during my mission trip last fall. I want to start a bank that will help those around the world who are struggling to survive. What do you think? You're crazy. You can't do that. You're too young. No one to take you seriously. But Alex did it with her lemonade stand. What about Craig and Mark Kilberger, the brothers that co founded Made We? They were kids, and now the organization is widely successful helping others. What are you talking about, kids? But Kathy thinks she can take a experience from her relationship and turn it into a business that helps others. I think she's too young. It's just a Big business You know, Hannah, 1 Timothy
3: 4.12 says, do not let anyone look down on you because you are young, but set an example for believers in speech, in conduct, in love, in faith, and in purity. God has a plan for all of us. This may be the plan he has for Mackenzie, and I believe she can do it. She has God
2: on her side. How could she fail? You're right, Pastor Brody, kids do amazing things to further God's work. Some are just, some go up to be celebrities in their work, and others are just local to us. Remember that cookie sale we did last year? It raised $1,000 for a family and child in need. That idea was started by one of our own kids. Mackenzie, are you still talking about your idea? Did did you ask Pastor Brody or Coach Cowan about it? Did they agree with me that if this is what God is telling you to do, then you can do it? Yeah, you were right, Dad. Thanks for standing by me and helping me with my journey. two things at once. Shake my head and shake my hands. Shake my head and shake my hands. Well, I can rub my tummy and pat my head. Rub my tummy and pat my head.
1: Guys, hello. You know we are once again back on the air.
2: Wow, it sounds like there's a lot of conflicting support. Yeah, we're just glad you followed your heart and God's calling. It was a struggle at first, but with my dad, coach, and pastor and pastor behind me, not to mention God, how could I go wrong? Seriously, like God would re- lead you wrong? Not. So, what was the thing that made you go on with the bank idea? The best part of the trip was the, the best part of the trip was seeing how we helped the people. Not only to find their way to Christ, which was truly amazing, but also in their everyday lives. That was the biggest reward and the thing that got me thinking how I didn't want this help to end. Well, we just happen to have two of those people whom your bank has helped. Please welcome Zach and Noah to the show. Hi, Hi, thanks for for having us. us. Zach and Noah, why don't you tell us a little bit about how the bank has helped you? The bank has helped me by giving us supplies to keep our wells clean and working. The bank has also supplied us with things we need for getting, for growing our own vegetables and getting our herd in order so we always have enough food to feed our people. Sweet! As a student in the village, it is important that I have the right tools for attending school. It is the rule that without these, I am not permitted to attend the school. The bank has helped us get our school in order as well as supply all the children with the things they need for attending school. Every kid is getting the best education they can get. But that's not all, is it? No it isn't. I have to I have travelled to other villages to help them get their wells in order so that they can so that they have clean water. And I help them get their herds and vegetables in order so that they can survive too. Like Miss Mackenzie, we have Travel to other villages, spreading the word of love I mean the word of God god's love. I too have helped helped others and that I' have collected unused school supplies and taken and taking them taking them to the next village over for those kids. I even helped to tu- tutor some of those kids. The bank has shown me that god's mission is for everyone, including kids. Thank you for joining us today and cheering. Your stories. You're welcome. You're welcome. Mackenzie, this is truly an amazing story and I am so glad you were here to share it with us. I'm sure it, it has taught me and I'm sure everyone else who has heard it that all a kid needs is a calling and a little inspiration from those around him or her and they can do all kinds of good things. It's amazing how much Inspired Kids can do themselves. But what also amazes me is that there are so many adults that are willing to support them succeed. Most businesses would be lucky to have so much cooperation from others. Well, this isn't like most businesses. This one is special. Yes, it is. For Michael, I am Andrew Sang. Good evening from Money Talk, feeling just a little more inspired to follow my heart and God's calling. Hey and you do want to pray and see what God might want us to do? That sounds great.
0: Alright, very good drama team. Very nice work. Uh, I want to ask you to pull out the response card that you have with you. Again, uh, parents, I mentioned the family challenge. You can write that on the back if you haven't done so yet. Uh, Also, uh, every week we have a prayer team that prays for prayer requests. So if there's something that you would like to be prayed for, you can write that down uh, on your card today. Or if there's a way that you know God wants you to respond, you can write that down there as well. Uh, Let me pray. God, we thank you uh, for kids. We thank you uh, for your love uh, for all of us, and God, this whole idea of, of being inspirers, uh, inspiring uh, creativity uh, in others as they follow you, God. I pray that that would be a challenge that we would all uh, take to heart. I pray that you would uh, you would encourage us as uh, leaders of kids uh, that you would allow us to be more intentional about investing and inspiring in in our kids, that you would uh, encourage us where we need it, that you would challenge us where we need it, uh, and that uh, we would truly all set our hope anew uh, on you. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.